It's tuned to yesterday, showcasing programs from the golden age of radio. I'm your host, Mark Livonier. Coming up in this hour, romance. Later on, a story from the Damon Runyon Theater. But first, the Western romantic drama, Cimera, on the Hallmark Playhouse. The CBS episode from September 9th, 1948. Remember, a Hallmark card, when you care enough to send the very best. Tonight, from Hollywood, the makers of Hallmark greeting cards bring you Miss Irene Dunn in Edna Ferber's Cimarron on the Hallmark Playhouse. Each week, Hallmark will bring you Hollywood's greatest stars in outstanding stories, chosen by one of the world's best-known authors, the distinguished novelist, Mr. James Hilton. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is James Hilton. Welcome to our new series on the Hallmark Playhouse. Tonight we present one of the great American stories, Edna Ferber's Cimarron. When I first read it, it came to me, as perhaps to many others, as a window opening on the great conception of an expanding America, an expansion which reached a climax on September 18, 1889, when the Cimarron country of Oklahoma was opened up to the throng of waiting settlers. It is this tremendous story that Miss Ferber tells with great skill, and I'd rather think that no living American writer has done more than Miss Ferber to open up this vast territory of fiction. In our story tonight, we have the special privilege of bringing to you one of Hollywood's most celebrated stars, Miss Irene Dunn. And now we raise the curtain on Hallmark Playhouse, starring Irene Dunn as Sabre Cravat, in Edna Ferber's Cimarron. The Cimarron. It is a county, a river. It is a legend and a reality. It is the fabric of my life. For I dreamed of it, then feared and hated it, and finally came to love it. It is Oklahoma. Strange when you look back, the things that measure off the years for you. I can look back and count the years of my growth and my country's growth by sounds. I hear a clock measuring the moments. And I close my eyes, and I'm back in my mother's great stately house in Wichita. I open a music box, and once more, I'm sitting on the floor of that house with my young son beside me. What did Daddy say when he gave you the music box? Oh, Sim, I've told you so many times. I like the story. <laughs> well, Daddy said... Here, let's close the box, shall we? Daddy said... I saw this, and I thought you might fancy it as a wedding present. And I said, my goodness, who am I marrying? And Daddy said, me. And I said, who would marry you? And Daddy said, any girl in the territory. Was he telling the truth? Oh, Daddy always tells the truth. So naturally, I had to marry him right away before some other girl in the territory got him. If some other girl had got him, where would I be? Well, you see... <clears throat> well... <laughs> I'll explain that to you when you're a little older. I want to know now. <laughs> oh, Yancy. No other girl in the territory would have gotten me. Once I had a look at your mother. Oh, Yancy. Daddy, Daddy. Hello, son. Zebra, what is all this ridiculous nonsense about you going to the Cimarron? I'm going wherever Yancy goes, Mother. Yancy, it's time you'd settle down someplace. Why can't you be content to run that newspaper of yours and conduct your law practice in Wichita? Because there's nothing to fight in Wichita. There's no more wilderness. Osage is a frontier town. That's where I'm going to start my newspaper. No daughter of mine is going traipsing off into the wilderness in boots and calico and sunbonnets. Wichita was wilderness when you came to it, Mother. And you brought to Wichita what I'll take to Osage. I'll make a home for my husband. I'll raise my children. We'll make the land yield for us. We'll put our roots into the earth and our home upon it. And when I'm your age, I'll have in Osage what you have in Wichita. Darling. I've suddenly realized why it could be you and no other from the moment I saw you. Oh, Yancy. 
I've suddenly realized why I always come back, no matter where I go. Why, Nancy? Because you're the wife of my heart uh, and my dreams. Yes, I can measure the years of my growth by sounds. Horses' hooves and wheels rolling westward and the droning punctuation of insects and birds and sometimes an animal in the distance. And my husband's singing as he led us into the wilderness. It was adventure and excitement during the day, and if at night I wept, thinking of the cool green grasses and the gardens of home, he didn't know, and the tears were dry by morning. And then one evening, Yancey stopped the wagons and pointed with his wagon whip to something that looked like a wallow of mud dotted with crazy shanties and tents. There it is, Sabra. There's our future home. of that first night I spent in Osage. Yancey found us a room above a saloon and disappeared as soon as he got us into it. I lay there in the dark, listening. Yancey! Yancey! Hey, what's the matter? What's oh, wrong? Yancey! Why aren't you asleep? Asleep? What were all those shots and the screaming and the men hollering? Why, sugar, what's happened to my pioneer woman? Well, I certainly didn't know this was pioneering. I expected to put up with scalpings and famine and flood, but I certainly didn't expect anything like, like this. <laughs> what are you laughing at? I'm laughing at you. Now, see because you, Because you're the most delightful woman that was ever created. You know, Yancey, someday I'm liable to get very angry with you. Yes, but not tonight, darling. Not tonight. Sounds that my heart had quickened to and treasured and listened for over and over. Yancey's footsteps on an Oklahoma street as we walked on our first morning. He wore his fine Texas star boots and a Prince Albert coat and a snow-white sombrero. He was handsome. Lord, he was handsome. Darling, you notice the way everybody's staring at you? Elegance is rare out here. Yancey, you're going to be very careful what you print in the paper, aren't you? Careful? Me? Did you know that Tom Carter, the last man who tried to run a paper out here, was found shot right through the heart? Uh, not through the center, though. The bullet barely pierced the heart. It was sloppy shooting. Well, sloppy shooting or not, he wasn't able to write about it the next day. You know what the first item I'm going to write in my paper is going to be? I'm going to find out who killed Carter and print it. But they'll kill you, too. Not a chance. I'm the quickest draw in the territory. Yancey! Those dirty buzzers, they shot my hat clean off my head. Where are you going, Yancey? You stand right where you are, Sabra. I'm going to pick up my hat. Oh, Yancey, I wish you wouldn't. Don't worry, Sabra. I'm just going to bend down and get my hat. Yancey! Yancey, you shot him! Quit yelling, Lon. I just nipped your ear. Can't you take a joke, Yancey? Sure, I can take a joke, and I can perform a few jokes myself. I'll get you for this, Yancey. Whatever your name is, oh. you're a lot of miserable, good-for-nothing loafers. That's what you are, uh. shooting at people on the streets. Uh. You leave my husband alone. Uh. I declare I've a notion to box your ears. My ears? Oh, no, not my ears. No! And don't you ever let me catch you shooting at my husband again. Sabra, what did you want to do a thing like that for? Well, somebody had to take a hand. Oh, by tomorrow, everyone in the territory will be saying that Yancey Cravat is hiding behind his wife's petticoats. But you didn't. They can't say so. You shot him very nicely in the ear, darling. Now, come on. Let's continue our walk. We're never going to find a house to live in at this rate. Would you like to tote the guns, Mrs. Cravat? No, Mr. Cravat. I don't need a gun to handle the Cimarron. Shall we go on? We found a four-room house. 
and Yancey bought a two-room cabin made of rough boards and had it hauled and plastered to the main house. We had a sitting room, a dining room, a bedroom, and a kitchen to live in. And the rooms of the cabin became a combination law and newspaper office, a composing room, and a print shop. And another sound clamored its way into my everlasting memories. The Osage wigwam's gossipy clatter as she came off the press. Well, she'll soon be out now. Yancey, what are you doing with that gun? Cutting a notch in it. Cutting a notch? Poor Lon. He isn't going to be able to read in the papers about the way he murdered Carter. You killed him? You killed a man? Would you rather he had killed me? It was one of the other of us. And somehow, I thought you'd rather have me around than him. Yancey. Yancey. after week, month after month, and finally, we were counting years by the editions of the paper. I began to print things for the women readers, recipes and fashions and stories. Curtains began to appear in the Osage windows, and the houses were painted, and the grass and flowers began to grow. It wasn't Wichita, but it was going to be, and though it hadn't the elegance of Wichita yet, it had become one thing that Wichita would never be again for me. It was home. Sounds, sounds, sounds. Carriages and wagons tearing down the roads. Storms, thunder, rain, winds, winds. The wind. Oh, the sound of the wind the day my second child was born. It screamed and ranted around the house, rattling the windows, whistling through the doors and cracks, whirling the red dust through the house. I was half out of my mind with the pain and the sound of it. Oh, what agonies a wind can blow through your memories. I hate the wind. I hate the wind! Welcome, Miss Donna. You're going to be the most beautiful girl in the West. Yancey, I've been thinking. I'm going to paper the house. Again? I like rosebuds in the bedroom and one of those new vine patterns in the parlor. Listen, sugar. President Cleveland just issued a proclamation setting September 16th for the opening of the Cherokee Strip. Oh, Really? And I've been thinking of organizing another woman's club. Honey, honey, let's get out of this. Clubs, wallpaper, church suppers. Let's sell the newspaper. Take the children and head for Cherokee. Yes, no, no. You can't, you can't mean it. It's the chance of a lifetime. The biggest thing in the history of Oklahoma. That's what you said about the summer. Sabra, listen to me. No, no, I won't listen. We've worked and worked. We've got a home now. The paper's a success. It's growing. We're just beginning to be a little secure. All right, darling. We'll talk about it later. Sound, sound, sound. The sounds awakened me the morning Yancey left. The excited shots and yells of the few other men of Osage who also had decided to make the Cherokee run. I stood there listening. Sabra, come with me. Throw whatever you can in a bag and come with me. How can I? The children. The children, too. All of us. It's not too late. We're frontier people, Sabra. We have to move on as the West moves. We're beginning to have too much. When it comes easy, it's no good, darling. Your food tastes flat and nothing you look at has any color. And a house becomes a prison. All right, Yancey. Stake your claim on the Cherokee Strip. We'll be ready to go when you come back for Oh, us. Sabra, my darling, my darling. I do have my pioneer woman back after all. Hey! Goodbye, sugar. I sat there quite alone. And then my son came into the room and raised the lid on the music box. And the box tore at me with almost human fingers. Suddenly it was unbearable. I pushed it off the table. 
Oh, Yancey. Oh, Yancey! I ran the paper for the next five years with the help of Jesse Rickey, the best printer in the Southwest. And believe me, they were five years of reform. I was fighting for the day when Osage could take its place in the sun with Wichita and Kansas City and Chicago and San Francisco. I wrote editorials about the loafers on the Pahuska Avenue corners. I denounced politicians. I fought for law and order and the sanctity of the home. And the days of those years were measured in sound. Chilling, terrifying sound of fire. Where are the children, Mrs. Cravat? The office and the house are both Donna, on fire. Donna, Sim, hurry, hurry. where are you? Donna, Sim, the house is on fire. We some more blankets. We need more blankets. We're going Here to the fire bedroom. out. Donna, Sim. The children are outside, Mrs. Cravat. Thank God, thank God. Here, take all the blankets. How did it stop? The building was soaked all around in coal oil. Someone planned this fire. Come on now, get Stop outside. Put it out. Oh, the music box. Help me with the music box. All right, box. here. Let me help you with it. And then the shouting silence of absolute stillness that followed. It was so quiet that my ears ached for sound. I sat there on the front steps, unable to move. Mother. Yes, Sim. It was Mongold who set fire to the house. It was because you were writing editorials against his saloon. There's a posse after him. No one would have dared set that fire if my father had been here. No, probably not. Do you think he'll ever come back? Do you, Mother? Yes, him. Yes, I do. You've lain awake through long, black, merciless hours, praying to hear sounds. Yancey! I can't believe it. Yancey, I simply can't believe that you would come back after five years and now want to leave again. But I've enlisted with Teddy Roosevelt's Rough Riders. I was lucky to get here at all. There's a war on. Yancey, Yancey. Darling, you're so beautiful. Even more beautiful than I remembered. Come here, Sabre. No, don't, Yancey. You're my wife. I was your wife five years ago. Yancey, doesn't your home, your family mean anything? Yes, they do. That's why I came back. But, Sabra, honey, there's a mighty difference between you and me. You're in love with houses. I'm in love with horizons. We had the same dream once. I thought we did. No. We shared the same love. That's been our blessing and our tragedy, darling. For it will always bring me back to you, but I'm afraid it will never keep me here. Love is my whole existence. To you, it's an interlude, isn't it? No, it's, it's something I carry with me wherever I go. Remember how the knights of the round table wore their ladies' colors wherever they went? That's how I carry your love. But I want you to stay. Do you want to conquer me? Or do you want to love me? If you conquer me, there'll be no love left between us. But I'll stay if you want, Sabra. No? No? Oh, Yancey, I thought it was happiness to love. Only for a few moments here and there. It is sorrow to love. And it is glory but rarely happiness. Oh, my dearest, my darling. I do love you so much, so very much. I love you and I hate you and I worship you. And if it were today that we were starting out together, I'd still go with you. I'd still wait for you. Sabra. Sabra. Years made.
measured in sounds. I listen to them, thrill to them, put them into print. The sounds of the new century coming up like thunder. <laughs> A new century, for Yancey Cravat, a deplorable century. Civilization everywhere you looked. Automobiles, airplanes, skyscrapers. And you could walk into the homes of Osage and think you were in Wichita. In fact, you could refer to the homes in Wichita as being a little outmoded now. You couldn't expect Yancey Cravat to remain long in a town like that. He was still the young, fighting pioneer spirit of the country. He had to keep hunting for new frontiers, new horizons. I missed him. I yearned for him. I prayed for him. But I had learned how to live alone, completely alone. For the children were grown and married now. I thought I had heard all the sound you could hear in a lifetime, but there were more to come. The voice of the drill, the pump, the blast. And then the rich black oil gushing from the red soil of Oklahoma. Their sound were the birth cries of the metropolis. Osage, Oklahoma, overnight was a metropolis. The Osage Wigwam was the important newspaper of the town. And I, heaven help me, was elected congresswoman from Oklahoma. Where was Yancey Cravat? What frontier had he found? I had not known for years. And then one day, I was showing a group of senators and newspaper editors around the oil field, and a sound that was now old and familiar rushed by my ear. A new gusher, isn't it, Mrs. Cravat? Yes, another million dollars coming up out of the earth. Uh, how do they start them? With nitroglycerin? Yes, they lower it in a can. Ah. Uh, there's quite a crowd gathering over there. Some sort of excitement is yes, going on. Let's walk over and see what it is. Hey, hey, you there. Can you tell us what's going on? We all just had a pretty narrow squeak, that's all. We almost got blown to perdition, all of us. What happened? They put 50 quarts of nitroglycerin into the gypsy pool, but the oil came up before the nitro got down. Oh, no! Well, what did they do about it? I never saw anything like it in my life. An old man caught it. Caught it? A man caught a 50-quart can of dynamite? That's right. They say he just ran back like an outfielder and gauged it with his eye while it was up in the air and run back like an outfielder and caught it. Well, how's the man? He's dying. His chest is all caved in. Who was he? What was his name? Oh, he's an old bum that's been doing odd jobs around the field. Name a Yankee or a... Uh... Yancey. Yeah, that's it, Yancey. Yancey! Yancey! Mrs. Cravat, you can't go over there. Let me by. Let me throw, I say. Let me throw. Oh, Yancey. My oh, dearest. Yancey. Yancey. Wife and mother. Stainless woman. Hide me in your love. Wife Please. and mother. My dearest. Wife. My love. Sleep. He slept at last in my arms. And in that manner, Yancey Cravat came home forever to the Cimarron.
Now, here again is James Hilton. And so until next Thursday, when we welcome Ronald Coleman, this is James Hilton saying good night. The Hallmark Playhouse, untuned to yesterday from the 9th of September 1948 on CBS, with an adaptation of the Oscar-winning motion picture Cimarron, which was on the silver screen in 1931, and in that year won Oscars for Best Art Direction, Best Writing and Adaptation, and Best Picture as well. You're listening to an hour of romance, untuned to yesterday. I'm your host, Mark Levelnier. Now a story from the Damon Runyon Theater called Baseball Hattie. This episode released for syndication on March 27, 1949. The Damon Runyon Theater. Once again, the Damon Runyon Theater brings you another story by the master storyteller, Damon Runyon. And this one... Baseball Hattie. And to tell it to you, here is Broadway. Thanks. It is one afternoon in early spring. The baseball season is just underway, and I am sitting behind third base at the polo grounds, waiting for the Giants to carve up a few Brooklyns, when I feel somebody sit down next to me. I look over, and who is it but Armand Stacy? I do not like this citizen. But he pays his way in, so there's nothing I can do about it. Then he speaks to me. Great day for a ball game, huh, Broadway? Yeah, for a ball game. 30,000 people here, and you sit down next to me. <laughs> Don't like me, do you? You are not my idea of a boon companion. Now or ever. Eh, lots of people don't like me. Why should you be there? So long, Armand. Sure, so long. Broadway, I gotta get out of here. My sentiments, exactly. You are a mind reader. Eh, it can't be, huh? Not after all these years. Who are you talking about? You look like you see a ghost. Yeah, a ghost. Broadway, uh, see you around. If I see you first, you will have to hunt. Hey, let me through him. Let With that, Armand takes the wind like a million gendarmes are after him. I look around to see what makes him decide not to stay. And I see her. I do not believe it. But there she is, baseball Hattie, sitting at her old place behind the giant's dugout. Now, why Armand blows at the sight of her is quite a story, which I will tell you in a minute. And now, back to the Damon Runyon Theater and the famous story, Baseball Hattie. Like I say, I spot Baseball Hattie sitting behind the Giants' dugout, and it takes me back maybe 20 years before, when the Giants are playing in Philadelphia. Seems the umpire calls a close one against the Phillies, and the citizens there resent it more than someone. In fact, the group of them are waiting for the Giants to come from the clubhouse. There they come! Yeah, Giants! Let's make them sorry they ever come to Philly! Come on, you guys! Yeah, let me out of here! Let me out of here! That's me, Zach Douglas! Come on, boys! Let's put them back in the bushes! Am I gonna get hurt? Okay, come on, all of you! Come on! Come with you, Haystack! Grab something, follow them! Going away! You better get out of here! This ain't no place for a lady! Who says I'm a lady? Oh, you got him right over the head! Back way to the tunnel, leading up to the street. I'll hold them off. They can leave you here with them. It's a tough looking here, too. Come on, you yellow boots. Come on. Cops. Back to that tunnel, Haystack. Come on, get going. Yeah, come on. We can make it now. That is how Baseball Hattie meets Haystack Douglas. They get away from the fight, and later they are sitting together in a little sandwich place. She is looking at him and says... He didn't get hurt, did you? Me? No. You? No. You sure pitched into those birds. Yeah. What's your name? Hattie. Everybody calls me Baseball Hattie. Oh, sure. Baseball Hattie. Ain't you always behind the dugout when we play home games? Uh-huh. When I can make it, I go out of town. Follow the Giants. You like baseball, huh? Nothing like it. Ever since my old... My father took me to my first game when I was a kid. I've been following the Giants. <laughs> you ever seen me pitch? I ain't never missed a game you're in. Pretty good, huh? You're the best left-hander I've seen since... Well, since... Since? Maybe I'm the best lefty you ever seen, huh? You've got a curve like the letter Q. And that fast ball. <laughs> when you can't see him, you can't hit him. Yeah. Why do they call you Haystack? Well, maybe because I once pitched hay back in Missouri. That where you come from? Sure. Don't you never read the sport pages? 
Yes. Well, then you ought to know. I just want to hear you say it. Why? I don't know. Just do. Well, you get me talking about myself, and I'll never stop. Okay, by me. Where are you from? New York. What are you doing? I... Let's talk about you, huh? Sure. You see me throw a one-hitter last oh, week? Oh, sure. The Cards didn't have a chance. I figure maybe I'll win 25 games this season in the World Series. Oh, you can do it, Haystack. Sure, can. Stand on one leg. <laughs> what are you laughing? Oh, it's something somebody said the other day. What was it? Somebody said if I didn't quit horsing around and living like I do, I'd burn myself out in a year. <laughs> me, I will never burn out. Not as long as I got this left arm. Yeah. I... I heard you were kind of hard to handle. Well, I got a right, a little fun. I get out there and pitch my heart out. Comes night, I got to have a little fun. Ain't you ever worried about losing a game after having a little fun? Me? <laughs> no, nah, this old arm's like a rubber whip. And I... What's the matter? Where'd you stop talking? I just noticed something, Hattie. Like what? Like you're a real good-looking dog. Yeah, a good-looking doll. So that is that. Hattie and Haystack make a pair from then on. And Haystacks keeps burning up the lead. Wins 14 in a row, including a no-hitter and two four-hitters. Then he hits a slump. And one night, Hattie gets a corner where she lives. I guess you don't know me, do you, Hattie? Well, maybe I do. I've seen your face someplace. Maybe in the newspaper. Yeah, that could be. My name's Benson. Oh, sure, sure. Red Benson, scout for the Giants. <laughs> you looking for a good second baseman here? Nope. Just a good baseball fan. That's me, Red. Never miss a game. I wish you would. Huh? What's on your mind, mister? Haystack Douglas. What about him? You know... Knocked out of the box three times in a row in the last two weeks. Oh, what? Every pitcher hits a streak like that. The best of them. Christy Matthewson, Marquard, Johnson, Bender. But they all came back strong. So will Haystack. Now, look. You want me to put it on the line straight? Might be a good idea, Red. Pitch away. I picked Haystack out of the bushes. I found him pitching for peanuts back in Missouri. I talked the Giants into getting him. I know all that. So you get credit for digging up a world beater. Want some kind of a medal for doing your job? No. I want Haystack to be the great pitcher he can be. There ain't nothing wrong with him. Nothing that you couldn't cure. Meaning? Meaning what? Stay away from him. You're kidding. I'm not. Mr. Benson, let me get this straight. You want me to stay away from Haystack? That's it. For his sake. For the sake of the Giants. Well, either one's a good enough reason. But why pick on me? Why don't you take a guess? Look, that port-sided apple tosser was a wild onion before I met him. I didn't add nothing. Besides, all left-handers are screwballs. Granted. So what are you giving me? A chance. For what? For making something out of it. Look, why don't you get back in the woodwork? Now, look at it. I figure Haystack's got a chance to straighten out before it's too late. We can keep him away from the high spots, level him off. Then do it. I ain't stopping you. But you are. Look, I told you he was a runaway horse before I met him. Hattie, you like baseball. What's that got to do with this? Everything. A few million kids get their kicks from the game. The boys on the diamond, they're heroes. What do you say we keep it that so way? So who's taking candy away from the little... Well, am I? Hattie, answer me a question. One question, and then I'll shut up. Cheap at half the price. What's the question? What kind of a reputation have you got? I'm supposed to be Snow White? That's none of my business, but it is my business to protect the game. By throwing a few mistakes I made back in my face. The fans are catching on. They're talking. Oh, sure, sure they are. When Haystack was winning, he could have been friendly with Cleopatra, Helena Troy, and a few other dolls. But as soon as the rest of the league touched him up, I'm a bad influence. Is that it? Something like okay, that. Okay, okay. Now take your frame out of here. Don't back up my place, honey. Go on, guess. You love the guy, Hattie? I guess that's it. Well, I got a job to do. I got the game and the Giants to think about. So? So, Haystack goes on suspension. What? Believe me, Hattie, this isn't personal between you and me. From where I stood, it was. No. You love the game. I love it. It's been my life. 
Either you cut loose from Haystack, or he goes on suspension indefinitely. Think it over, Hattie. Think it over. So from what I hear, Hattie does cut loose and sees no more a haystack for some time. And it seems that this does him some good because he starts burning up the league again. Then suddenly, no one sees him for two weeks. The Giants are slipping down in the standings like a red-hot poker going through thin ice. It is near the end of the season. With Haystack, the Giants might have been out. But without him, they are sunk. Then one night, Hattie's at her place when she hears something at the door. Who's that? Who's there? Beat it before I call the cops. Go on, beat it. Hattie, you better open up or I'll bust in a whole wall. Big... What's the idea of locking me out, huh? What's the idea? Well, get in here before somebody sees you. Everybody sees me. Greatest left hand in our game. Greatest. Come on, sit down here. Come on, sit down. Who's up next? What's his weakness? Fastball? I got it. Curve? I got it. Hi, Daddy. Oh, look at you. Look at you. Tommy uniform. Well, well, Tommy uniform. Gonna get fine. Sit still. Gotta have some fun. Pitch my heart out in the daytime. Gotta have some fun at night. You big rube. You busted yourself right out of the league. You knocked yourself right out of the box. Me? Me? Greatest left-hander in the game. Got pissed. Right now. Stay sitting. Let me alone. When you got pissed. You, you, you. Honey. I'll pitch. I signed out because I thought it would do you some good. You hurt my face. I don't want to hurt your face. Don't do it, Hattie, please. Well, what do you want to do that for, Hattie? What you crying for? Huh? For me? Shut up. I love you, Hattie. I want to marry you. of the Giants will say. But the manager says Haystack cannot possibly be any worse married than he is single. Now, maybe that is right. But what happens later, I will tell you in a minute. And now, back to the Damon Runyon Theater and the famous story, Baseball Hattie. Well, it comes on winter. And Haystack gets all through it without getting out of line once. In fact, he is so good that he gets a contract. And that spring, he reports to the Giants' training camp, still towing the old straight and narrow market. Then it is one day at the training park when Red Benson walks over to Hattie, and the scene is as follows. Hello, Hattie. Huh? Oh, hello, Red. Looks pretty good, doesn't it? Yeah, pretty good. A lot of zip in that arm. What? Anything wrong, Hattie? Wrong? Uh-uh. Not a zip in the arm. Looks pretty good. What could be wrong? Not with him. With you. Me? Uh, never anything wrong with me. I, uh, I notice you don't sit with the other gals. What other gals? Well, the other wives of the players. So? Half of them don't know nothing about baseball. They ought to be married to bookkeepers or something. Don't let them throw you, Hattie. What do you mean? You know. Ah, 
They gave you the frost, huh? I don't have nothing to do with them. If it's vice versa, it's okey-dokey with me. Yeah. You uh, did a great job on Haystack. I didn't do nothing. He cleared himself up. Hattie, I've wanted to talk to you about something ever since you and Haystack came south. Go ahead. Remember that night back in New York when I came to see you? Yeah, I remember. Don't. Don't? Don't what? Don't remember it. I got a short memory, Red. As far as I'm concerned, there never was a night you came to see me. You're all right, Hattie. Whoa. What's the chin and all about? How's the arm, Haystack? Good. Why? Well, it's going to be a tough season. Every outfit in the league's got a good club. Cards, Reds, Pirates, Cubs. They'll all be up there gnawing away at the old flagpole. Ah, win 25, maybe 30. Just tell the guys with the sticks to get me some runs. One's all I need. Yeah. Yeah, I see. Well, I'll be seeing you. So long, Hat. See you later, Red. What do you want? Nothing. Just talking. Yeah? Well, I'm running in for a shower. I'll wait here. Now, don't bother. Go back to the hotel. I don't mind. I'll see if the club's got any good stick boys. I said don't wait. Why not? Because I'm going out. Where? What's the difference? I'm going out to a party. Party? Where are we going? I'm going. Uh, hey, Tex. I get kind of lonesome back in that hotel. Buy a magazine. I don't want to stay home alone again. Go to a movie. By myself? What's the matter? You need somebody to explain the picture to you? Okay, Miss Tex. What time will you be back? Don't watch the clock, that's all. And that is the way it goes. More and more, Haystack begins to feel that he makes a bad deal when he marries Hattie. But Hattie says nothing and does her best to keep him in line. Then it comes up the middle of the season. The Giants are right up in there and depending more and more on Haystack's left soup box. But it seems that along about this time, Haystack discovers he likes to shoot craps and engage in various other pastimes that separate him from a good portion of scratch. So one night, he comes home late, and the scene is as follows. Haystack? Yeah, that's me. What time is it? Who cares? I guess nobody. Haystack, sit down, will you? Here on the bed. Why? I got something to tell you. It'll wait. I'm tired. You'll like this. Yeah? What makes you think I will? We're going to have a kid. That's big news? Did you get what I said? Yeah, I got it. What's my cue? Stand on my ear and do a twist? Haystack. Haystack. A kid, honey. A kid, a boy like you. It'll be a girl. Either one's all right, but a boy. A ball player like you. Did you ever think of that? No, nope. now stop yapping, will you? I'm tired. I'm pitching tomorrow. Big-headed fool. You swelled up a loom. What do you think you are? What's eating on you? Nothing. Just nothing. Get out of here. Get out. Go on back to sleep. You. You. Don't do that again, Hattie. Don't never do that again. Why'd I ever marry? Why? You want me to answer that? Get out. Okay. I'll answer it. And then go. You married me because I was on the upgrade. Great chance for you to tie in with somebody who'd pull you out of the mud. Haystack. Yeah. And what was you when we married, huh? Maybe you'd like an answer to that, too. Or maybe you don't need no answer. You already got it. Okay. This washes us up. Where you going? Where you told me, out. Get back in there, Haystack. Benson, what are you doing here? Keeping tabs on you. Now get back in there. Putting a tail on me, huh? Yeah. Hello, Hattie. Red. Oh, really? Hey, Stack, I trailed you tonight from one joint to another. Now I caught up with you. Beat it. Shut up and listen. Hattie. What? I heard what went on. I was standing outside. Oh, great. Just great. I'm glad I did. I got enough. I'm going. You're staying. You're staying if I have to choke some sense into you. Brad, let go. Let go. Now you listen to me, you great big hero. You make one move to leave Hattie, and I'll give the whole story to every sports writer in the business. I'll see that they open up on you with every typewriter in the country. When they finish, you won't be able to get a job pitching beanbags in a carnival. Sure, sure. And kill the chance for the penny. Yeah, even that. Baseball's my life. The Giants are my life. But so help me, Haystack. I swear to heaven I'll see us finish last before I let you walk out on Hattie.
and Haystack does not walk out. He can do nothing but pitch, and underneath he knows that once he has finished doing that, he is very much out and cold indeed. Well, it comes at the end of August, and the Giants are fighting for the front end of the league, and an important series with Brooklyn is coming up. Everybody knows that Haystack is due to pitch at least two of the games, and he can generally beat the Dodgers of that year just by tossing his glove out on the mound. Then one evening, he comes home to Hattie with a guest, and the scene is as follows. Hattie! Hattie! Yeah? What do you want, Haystack? You know Armin Stacy. Yeah, I heard of him. How are you, Mrs. Douglas? Nice to see you again. Sure. Haystack, what's the idea of bringing home this two-bit gambler? <laughs> you don't like me, Mrs. Douglas. Don't pay no attention to her, Stacy. Oh, forgive it. What do you want, Haystack? Me and Stacy's got some business to talk over. Why don't you go to a movie? I'm staying. It won't take long, Mrs. Douglas. Just as long as it takes to walk around the block. Haystack, what are you up to? Business, I told you. Now beat it. Either you beat it out or me and Stacy will go someplace else. And I might break training. Get it? I... All right. I'll go. <laughs> you know, you handle that very nicely, Haystack. Yeah. Now talk. Haystack, you're on my books for five grand. I carried you for six months. I know that, and you know it. It ain't news. I'm just reminding you. Now, you pitched tomorrow against Brooklyn. Yeah? The odds are two to one against the Dodgers, uh, if you pitch. If? I got no choice. I don't want you to have one. Sure, a pitch, but uh, not so good. Blow the game? It'll cancel the five grand, and you get three more. When? A grand now, and two more after the game. Hmm. You stand to make a killing, huh? Yeah, I'll get something out of it, yeah. Make it 4000 you got yourself a winner. <laughs> well, I'm not one to haggle. It's a deal. Now, uh, can you make it look good? Sure. A little less on a fastball. A curve don't break in right. I feed a wrong ball to a long hitter and I... What? This is Douglas. That was a short walk. I ain't never been away, Stacy. You... Huh? You heard that? Yeah. So? If Haystack doesn't blow the game, I'll squeeze for the five grand he owes me. If he plays my way, who knows the difference? Haystack, you ain't going to do it. Why not? Haystack, I know you're a liar, a cheat, but nobody can tell me you'll drop down so low to toss off a ball game. Oh, you're going to feed me that stuff about the great American game. Yeah. Haystack, you ain't going to do it. You ain't going to do it because of our kids. Your son and my son who grow up to be a ball player. Ha! The kid ain't even here yet. She's got him pitching no hitters. You'll have your name. If anybody finds out you toss the ball game, what chance will he have? Nobody finds it out. Now stop yapping. They always find out a dirty deal like this. Especially if you deal with a dog like Stacy. Oh, please, and Mrs. Douglas. He'll be the first one to holler copper if it's found out. Because he's a stool pigeon at heart. Haystack. You ain't gonna do it. Haystack. Where, where'd you get that gun? Harry, you go nuts. Put that away. I'm gonna fix it so he don't bribe you. No. Haystack. Haystack, I... Yeah, you can't prove a thing. Can't prove a thing on me. Haystack. Honey. Haystack. Did you... Did you have to make it... My left arm? Eddie? big horror about the thing, but it comes out in the newspapers that Hattie aims for Stacy and hits Haystack, and of course Stacy brings no charges. When the doctors are through with Haystack, he will never pitch again. There is a big benefit game, and Haystack gets 25,000 feet. Then he and Hattie go to the Pacific Coast, and the last I hear, he passes away being a respectable grocer. And Hattie? <laughs> that is the payoff of the story. Armand Stacy does a quick fade when he sees Hattie. Now, I'm more than somewhat curious, so I get to where Hattie is. Well, well, Broadway, how are you? Just fine, Hattie, and you? Good, good. A little older than when I saw you last. <laughs> you know, it is like old times seeing you here behind the giant's dugout. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Uh, wasn't that Armand Stacy you was with just a minute ago? Hattie, I am not with him. Furthermore, I never am with him. 
He is always with somebody. I know what you mean. <laughs> He's seen me and he beat it. <laughs> yeah, I guess he figures you are still mad that you missed him that day and hit Haystack. Uh-huh. Hey, Broadway, did I ever tell you where I come from? Huh? No, you do not. My father ran a carnival when I was a kid. Seems to me this is a funny time to be giving me the story of your life. Uh-huh. But you said Armand was scared of me. Thought I was still after him. You know, I minded the shooting gallery at the carnival when I was a kid. Got to be a pretty fair shot. Yeah, I guess that would be natural. In fact, it would be unnatural for you to miss anybody you aim at. At close range. Yeah, it would. Now, I... Ladies and gentlemen, the battery for today's game. Well, Hattie, I... All the time, Is that? Yeah. A great left-hander. Just like his father. But Broadway. Huh? That's where the resemblance ends. And so ends the famous Damon Runyon story, Baseball Hattie. Listen in again next week for... Damon Runyon Theater. The Damon Runyon Theater, pontooned to yesterday from March 27, 1949, a syndicated broadcast. And the curtain comes down on this hour of romance, pontooned to yesterday. Be sure to be with us next time for more great programs from Radio's Yesteryear. Until our next hour together, I'm Mark Levonier. Thanks for tuning in. (laughs) 